0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blondes Building Equity. We have an exciting guest today because we have an Airbnb specialist. We've had some really amazing guests. But this is actually our first really specialist in the Airbnb space, which is really exciting for you guys because you don't really have to have a lot of money to get into that space if you do arbitrage. So I'm really excited. I want you guys to welcome Jorge Contreras. Uh, he lives in we really need to say so yeah, go ahead and introduce yourself, Worry. Tell us a little about you. I want you to give me like the two-minute brag sheet. Like I want you to go full force. Tell me what you're about.
1: Tell the people. Don't don't feel bad bragging because I want to know what like the most you've ever done, how much money you've made, you know, all of that. <laughs>
2: I love it. So yeah, again, guys, Jorge Contreras. I reside in uh, Orange County, California. I started uh, buying real estate about 10 years ago in 2012. Did long-term tenants up until 2016. And then in March of 2017, I launched my first four Airbnbs on the Airbnb platform. Kept doing that for a while. And then in 2019, I discovered the arbitrage model, which we'll get into later, but no down payments, no closing costs. It was strictly a cash flow play, which was the priority at the time. And then that only helped me accelerate my purchasing strategy. So we have uh, 18 properties, eight that we own, seven that we sublease, three that we manage. We're doing about 150K a month gross revenue, about 30,000 net a month just from the Airbnb business alone. And then uh, four years ago, I also started a coaching company teaching people how to create passive income and financial freedom uh, with or without owning real estate.
1: So what makes more, the coaching company or Airbnbs?
2: They're both multiple seven-figure businesses. So they're both doing really, really good.
0: Wow, that's incredible it's something cool like I think the coaching businesses in real estate has really taken off everybody we've had on the podcast so far is really into the coaching space but I like what you're doing with the arbitrage so how has it kind of been affected right now I feel like things aren't before it was really fun. everybody was like you know getting airbnbs and doing that kind of travel style has it changed at all lately
2: yeah definitely there's definitely been like a a slowdown uh, overall the good thing is ever since we started getting into this business we've always never just relied on short-term rentals so we know how to cater to like nurses, corporate bookings, relocation companies, government bookings and so we we do attract a lot of those 30 day plus bookings that you know where we only need one cleaning and it's just easier to manage and I think that as long as you incorporate that.
1: Oh you said nurses the clientele for people that are staying like 30 days?
2: Yeah like 30 day plus I mean like Airbnb just uh, produced a report for their second quarter earnings like the most amount of money, the most amount of bookings and also bookings are on average long like 25 5% longer this year than they were last year so people are staying longer at airbnbs and i think that's because of all those different things the relocation companies and nurses and so if you incorporate the short-term rentals with like mid-term rentals definitely helps keep your occupancy a lot higher and and be able to cash flow really well
0: that's what i was thinking because i know here in la you know because we we fix and flip homes which is really but everybody always asks us um why haven't you thought about holding them why don't you do airbnb and definitely those are options for us but in the la market i don't know how it is in the OC. I know you do some other places as well, but in LA market, Airbnb is really taboo right now, really hard to do. You have to have it like a certain, it has to be above a two weeks stay, right?
2: So typically in the city of LA, they give you a, uh, like a 90 day permit. And then once you're like two weeks to uh, completing those 90 days, you have to apply for an extension. Uh, and so far for our properties and all of our students that we've been able to, you know, get those extensions to operate for the whole year, but it is a little bit of a tedious process online and following up but the good thing is that you can do it
1: wow so what does that look like for your students when you're teaching them is it like they're buying their first airbnb and do they have like a coach alongside them to like call
2: you mean like in our coaching program yeah i mean we have group coaching calls pretty much every day of the week monday through sunday uh some are uh objection handling how to pitch landlords we have networking calls we have calls where all we do is call landlords for two hours and students get to listen those who have been there for a couple weeks or a couple months can Also, call landlords themselves once they feel confident on the script. And then we also teach purchasing and how to do HELOCs, ring fies, how to build even a little bit on the syndication model, how to raise capital through private money, just all these different strategies so that they never run out of being able to do deals. Because eventually, you'll always run out of your own money, but you can never run out of, you know, raising capital and keep doing deals that way. So, but all of our group coaching programs also come with one on one coaching. So they get like either 12 or 24 one on one coaching calls. And in our mastermind, our highest level, we also have have three in-person events. They happen to be uh, this weekend actually.
1: Wow okay so let's break it down for someone that's watching this for the first time. What is Airbnb arbitrage?
2: Yeah so Airbnb arbitrage is the process where you rent a property. Of course we are getting permission in writing from the owners and then we launch them on the short term rental platform.
1: For the first step you get permission from the owner. How do you find the owner? How do you know that they want Rented out. Where does that start?
2: Yeah, so we go on the platforms, just like Zillow.com or similar platforms. We find properties that we like. Once we've validated that the regulation in the city allows you to get a permit, then step two is to look into softwares like massvisor or Air DNA, which are basically our comps to validate that we can make double or more, whatever we're going to have in a rent or in a mortgage payment. And then step three is where we call the landlord and then we view the property, sign a contract, and then launch. So
0: what would you say like typically I mean how many landlords you need to talk to before you can kind of find one that's interested I mean what's the benefit for the landlord how much are you offering them
2: so we're offering the fair market rent personally I've never had to offer more I have had some students that have paid maybe a hundred to three hundred dollars above market if it's like in a really competitive area and the landlord wants to make additional cash flow and they want to also get some of the upside but that's pretty much what I've done is I've always paid fair market
1: How does a landlord say okay to that when don't they understand the risk of having someone rent out their property to like multiple people? Isn't that a high risk for them?
2: I mean it's not a risk because in the contract we let them know we we put in there writing that we're going to be responsible for any maintenance or if there's any repairs or any type of damage like we're paying for that and just like a hotel right if you check into a hotel they're going to take your credit card if you create any type of damage they're going to charge your credit card so we basically pass that cost on to the guest and we're able to submit claims up until 14 days after the guest checks out so then that gives them the peace of mind but i think at the end of the day like i have this one sublease that's like pretty high end we pay almost five grand in rent. It's in Long Beach, California. And out of 10 people that went to go look at the property, I was the only one who wasn't going to live there. But they picked me because of my financials, my experience, my credit score. They felt that I was the strongest tenant, even more than people that were actually going to live there.
1: Wow. But you want not be the tenant though, right? You would be...
2: Well, I'm the tenant on the lease. And then getting permission to then sublease the property. My company's name or my name is going to be on the lease agreement, right? To lease the property for 12 months. But within the lease, I have permission to then use it as a short term rental. Wow,
0: oh, I love this. I mean, we, I mean, you see it so much like I feel like on TikTok and Instagram, it's a very hot topic and hot market. But I do, I feel like it really did get competitive. How has it been for you guys in that space? There's so many Airbnbs now. Has it like hurt your business? Have you had any students? kind of fail or struggle i like the fact that at least for fix and flippers right now obviously times are scary we really got to be tighter with all of ours that we have right now we'll be selling them off is a little bit scary but for you guys i feel like there's less risk i mean you take off a lease worst case you have to cover that lease but yeah
2: worst case i mean um again this has never happened before but if you had to break the lease and you know lose that on the deposit that could be the worst case scenario but typically if there was a situation where say the student was like negative couple hundred dollars a month in cash flow they could always put a long-term tenant in there for the remainder of the lease and as long as they paid fair market rent they should be able to find someone willing to pay fair market rent for the remainder of the lease and at the end of the lease they could just collect their deposit and walk away that's really the worst that could happen i've never had a student actually break a lease because they could just put a long-term tenant in there since they have permission to do that
1: so let's go back to kind of like your first project that you did how did you kind of like get into Airbnb arbitrage
2: So I got into the arbitrage because uh, when I started my coaching program four years ago, 100% of my students were buying real estate and then putting their properties on the Airbnb platform. And then I had this student, single mom of two out of San Diego, and she had the money, but she didn't have the credit. She she didn't qualify to purchase a property. And so I had told her like, you know what, if you're committed, I'll find a way to help you. Because, you know, I wanted to help her spend more time with her kids. And so I was learning a little bit about the arbitrage at the time, and I helped her secure her first lease. And she was starting Making like thirty five hundred a month of cash flow with her first property in San Diego, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome." She put like twenty k into it total. Where I'm over here buying properties, maybe putting a hundred to two hundred thousand, And she's making just as much cash flow as I would if I owned it. And that's when we went all in on the subleasing side.
1: So you were teaching before you got into it. Well.
2: There was this unique situation where she couldn't buy, but she really wanted to create passive income and financial freedom. So yes, I I told her that I was committed to helping her if she was committed to helping herself. So I helped her and then after that, I went and launched a ton of my properties and then started teaching that strategy.
0: Wow, I love that. So now that you've kind of done Airbnb arbitrage, you've bought the Airbnbs, you've bought long-term rentals, all of those things, what is your favorite now? Like what would you recommend? If you were gonna start all over, what would your strategy be? Yeah, I mean, if I had a
2: couple hundred thousand dollars then I would go straight into purchasing, right? can get the equity obviously that's where the long-term wealth is going to be created but for like the 90 percent of people that are not in a position to drop you know 20 percent down plus furniture subleasing is a great way for them to start build their capital their experience and then go into the purchasing as they attain more capital so
1: they would basically just go on zillow and find places that are renting go to that whoever it is the listing agent or the actual landlord and tell them listen here's my credentials my credit i'm going to put a uh, put it under my name I'm responsible for everything and you're going to give me permission to rent it out so they went it for let's say 1200 a month from that's their lease agreement and then they go to Airbnb and maybe get like 2 or 3000 so the rest is just like cash flow
2: exactly so the difference from what they pay to what they make and we have like a model where we want to be able to break even at 10 days so like if someone's renting a property for say three thousand a month maybe it's a single family home we want to be able to host larger groups of people like 8 to 12 so that we could charge 300 a night we could break even at 10 nights double at 20 and triple at 30.
1: right and so what's the occupancy rate normally for the areas that you kind of have your airbnbs in? like we're
2: at about like a 77 percent occupancy right now like in our whole portfolio and we're in like like seven different cities all in Southern California.
1: That's pretty good. How was it better during COVID?
2: Uh, I mean, like last year, there was a higher occupancy, probably like 88%.
1: Right, because right after COVID, never everybody-
2: out yeah everybody was like sick and tired of being stuck at home and it was like yeah like this rubber band effect and people just wanted to get out
1: (laughs) i think that airbnb is kind of like a lot more popular now because of covid because i was listening to this podcast like during covid and he was talking about how covid kind of helped people understand that instead of hotels they can just go and rent somebody's house and like go out in the middle of nowhere and like the wilderness and like those places are more popular. Do you agree with that? Have you have you seen that numbers
2: even personally during COVID, uh we weren't able to like try or we chose not to right like travel by plane, so what we did is we rented properties like near the beach in Long Beach that have pools and jacuzzis and we just stayed in the properties for 3 days like just to kind of change up the environment and I noticed that too there was a lot of people that again Although they weren't able to travel by plane, they started traveling by car, staying in the same cities, nearby cities. And if you're able to create a staycation experience, like most of our properties have pools, jacuzzis, and game rooms where, again, you can have a great time in the home without needing to go somewhere like in particular. So that's become more popular. And I think a lot of people started transitioning into that model during COVID, which definitely helped them, you know, still be able to maintain their businesses.
1: So how many Airbnb's are you
0: managing right now?
2: We have 18 properties.
0: How was it on like the scaling of that? Just because I know, I mean, at least in LA, getting an apartment here in LA, they are really, really strict about checking if you make three times the income, if you have your amazing credit. So I can only imagine having five properties under your credit score, under your name. Does that become a problem?
2: Well, the properties don't show up on your credit report. That's the first thing, right? And yeah, it's true. Sometimes that is a challenge for students, right? If they don't make uh, two or three X the requirement, a lot of times it's three. Then if they have like six months of rent reserves, sometimes that could offset depending on the landlord or bringing in a business partner just so that they have two incomes versus just one. For that same one that I mentioned earlier that I got in Long Beach, they still wanted me to put up a second deposit just because it's like a very high-end property. They had just done like a 200000 thousand dollar renovation on this really nice craftsman home two blocks from the beach so one of those three things will typically work
0: wow and so my other question for you is you live in california what is kind of your tax strategy with the airbnb arbitrage because even like are you putting these under an llc are they under your personal name because we tried when we were qualifying for our apartment i was trying to put it under my llc and show the income that was made from my corporation and not from me as an individual and they were crazy And I'm like, with taxes, I pay myself as an individual very little. And then my corporation is in Delaware and we funnel it through. So I can like, I wouldn't have qualified on just my personal return. So what's your kind of tax strategy? What do you recommend?
2: In order to qualify or just how do we deal with taxes in general?
0: I want to know both. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah so all of my properties have my personal name on it and our strategy we like I personally don't have any apartments everything is a single family home except for one that's a triplex, and uh, that's one of the ones that I own but all the ones I sublease and everything else is uh, single family homes typically three twos or larger and so as far as the qualification part uh, I mean I personally have a high income so I have like no problem like I said for my students it's you know an extra deposit a business partner or if they have six months of reserves and then the actual strategy we do cost segregation on the properties that we own on all the investment properties to then offset ordinary income so for like last year i was able to eliminate like 85 percent of my taxes just because of cost segregation in the properties that i do own
0: right super smart yeah so you're taking everything and you're triple spending and buying like
1: a property that you owe to do a cost egg.
2: right right so definitely the cosign
1: is it like a conventional loan like a 30 day or 30 year conventional like
2: Everything is a 30-year conventional loan, so we've done a lot of 15 20%, and I've even done like a 10% vacation home a couple times.
1: But have you ever thought about doing an interest-only loan?
2: Um, I would consider it. Um, I would definitely consider it, especially if it was like short-term financing and then maybe I had a different type of exit strategy or or maybe if I needed to, right? Maybe Maybe if that's all that qualified me. But uh, my mortgage lender, uh, I know he's done that with two of my students where they got into like an interest only. And then he gave them the option of paying into the principal as an option, but they didn't have to. Right.
0: I feel like it might be an, a, a time too right like now where like things are sitting on the market and you can really use some creative financing instead of arbitrage where you get a subject to. And then you be that subject to out to be able to cover the note plus more. Like there's a lot of creative ways you can go about that's what I like about real estate too, and in, in fix and flipping, and having that option that if you know worst case scenario we we wanted to hold on to something, then we can Airbnb it. You can long term rental it. There's a lot of options, which is really really nice. We actually have a couple on the podcast, and they're they're absolutely killing it. And they are they were fix and flippers all the way, and now they are like we love our Airbnbs. They're doing only short term rentals now with all of their flips. So do you kind of do like value adds with the places you buy, and they kind of burr out, and then and what's your strategy there yeah
2: recently most of our properties we've done some type of upgrade um like it's launched one in joshua tree about three weeks ago and we got that one off market for like 200 below market value but that one just needed paint we have other ones where i've remodeled like everything and in previous years i even have some that i just bought like turnkey i wanted to just buy them and put them up on airbnb for uh time's sake but luckily i bought them years ago and so obviously they've still appreciated even though i didn't do any type of uh value add
1: what's your background in so like i know you were talking about you got into like coaching and then you Got into the real estate Airbnb, but like before that, before you had like an interest, like who are you? Like what's your background? What's your story?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I'm 35 now. When I was 20, I actually was a professional Latin dance instructor.
1: Professional Latin dance in- instructor. Look at that! That made
2: Jessica really excited. Like excited there. <laughs> I haven't seen her smile this big the whole time.
1: When I was like 15, I took like Latin dance class, and it was like the thing ever. So what I'm hearing is we need a dance battle.
0: That's
2: right. Shimmy. So... Yeah. So when I was 20, I dropped out of community college. I quit my job at the bank, and I've been, you know, entrepreneur full time working for myself for the last 15 years. And I created like eight streams of income all from the dance business. So I used to own uh, two land dance festivals. I used to run this like nightclub. at a choreography company. My both of my parents were born in Mexico, and I was born here in Orange County. Out of like maybe I don't know 50,000 instructors, there was um like all the originals that got together, and they basically came up with the list. And so I was like number eight and the world as far as like world-renowned even before youtube was popular like by 2010 i already had over 10 million views on like youtube and it it was a pretty big like successful company but the problem with it is i felt like i ran that business like a job so whenever i talk about becoming financially free it was when i left that business five years ago is that business always required me to trade time for money i was like working 14 hours a day and it got to the point where I actually injured my back and ended up having a back surgery 10 years ago. The doctor said it was a 50-50 chance I would never walk again. And that was like the turning point where I was like, man, how do I make money without using my hands, without using my body, just using my intellect? And that's when I went all in on real estate and I became a student at the rich dad, poor dad company back in
0: 2015. Oh, now the is the best well,
2: and uh, within 18 months, I became financially free and I became a part of the sales team in the company. And we used to travel. They used for fly me out across the country and we would deliver the education. I was a part of the sales team. So I would enroll people into the education. And uh, that's kind of when, where my mind, my mind started, like just having these ideas about creating my own mentorship in the future. And I got to see how they did it. At the time, they were the world's largest real estate education company. And uh, but yeah, that's sort of my background. But I've always been a business owner uh, for the last, you know, 15 years and i built you know multiple seven-figure companies so i probably invested over half a million dollars into just mentors and coaches from like tony robbins like all these big names just on like business development you know building teams and systems and processes and all that stuff
1: but you have a lot more experience if I'm hearing this correctly in kind of like the event space but also like teaching and coaching and being around that
2: yeah because even as a as a as a dance coach like a, a lot of times I was coaching him on like mindset and like all the personal development just transfers over so I've always been a coach that's always been what's been closest to my heart and in addition to the events I had a choreography company so we had like a ladies team different levels of bachata we had a hip-hop team a jazz and contemporary like a lot of different things that would bring in people from the commercial world and they would join our company and then we would start teams teaching what they would know I would also run a nightclub we would put concerts together I mean it was just crazy it, it was just a, a lot of different streams of income but all from uh, from the dance business
0: Wow so your life is probably so so different now so do you have a good I mean you're working 14 to 16 hour days you said like we're really big on work-life balance we really do so much and we pack our weeks but we really I mean don't like want to make ourselves good crazy and we always like push this for our audience like life is for living we're searching financial freedom and i know you got to get there but we really like work-life balance so what does your weeks kind of look like now that you've built this company up and you now have more financial freedom
2: i personally love what i do so much that it's it's almost like i'm not the type of person that can go and work for five days straight and then go on vacation for five days straight while not working and vice versa so i'm always like working and playing like it's like a dance of the yin and the yang so even like last week we were on vacation in Cabo you know when my wife and daughters are taking a nap like I wake up earlier and I'm shooting a podcast or I'm working out or I'm on my meeting with my team and then when they wake up we go have breakfast just family time and then they always go take a nap for like two hours and then I'm on an IG live or I'm having you know like for me that's the way I love it it's just like a constant dance and it, they're always just flowing but it's almost like it's all just one I don't really have like this separation where I'm like okay I mean unless there's a specific thing right maybe we're having dinner it's like okay my phone's over here this It's family time and then there's time when it's just business, but I personally love the dance where I'm always doing both.
1: And I think everybody works differently. So it's important, even for the audience listening now, find what works for you because it's not always like not everyone works well with that. Like for me, I sometimes need to actually be packed out on the weekend and not be next to my phone and just like have a release and then during the workday I'm on I'm all about it yeah. but you you like the dance you like you know your wife is sleeping you're working a little bit and then you guys go to lunch I think it's important to figure out what type of dance you like what type of flow you like what is going to keep you consistent in the long term and not let make you burn out and not make you feel like you hate your life yeah,
2: Yeah. like my buddy the other day was like, what time do you wake up? And I'm like 8, seven thirty, sometimes 9, like 8 hours from whatever time I go to. He's like, you don't wake up at 5 a.m. every day? He's like, bro, I wake up at 5 a.m. He's like, I was like, look, it's not about what time you wake up. It's about what you're doing during the hours that you're awake. And as long as you're productive and things get done.
1: For me, I'm the same way. Like, I don't need to get up at 5 a.m. and do a thousand things. Like, I like to have a slower morning. I like my Pilates. I like my gratitude journal. And I get shit done during the day. And when... Sh- it needs to be done. I get it done, but I'm not like, I'm not a workforce. I don't feel like I constantly need to be busy or need to be like working myself to be productive. I'm productive. I get stuff done. We have our flips we're gonna sell on making my good money. Like I don't need that constant like, busy busy
0: busy you know and i think it's important to know your time clock yeah that's something i I really learned is that like i know friends who during the night the rain is on and they're so productive and like being aware of those times is super important like for me i'm just the best in the morning so that's my only time that i get either alone or like really a lot of clarity because when it hits five o'clock, six o'clock for me, like I really shouldn't be working. Like no. I, am, my productivity, what my brain—it's just foggy. Like I am not on. That is my time. I go for a walk, hang with my friends. So it's like I loved. I am a six a.m.er, but only yeah. because that's my prime time I operate the best. So then I'm like, oh, guys, don't think it's just like I'm this over. It's really that. It's just that works best for me. So yeah. I know people like even with employees and things, I'm like, if that's your best time, you need to be working then. If you work the best at 11 at night, love that. If you get your shit done, that works for you. So I think it's important to know your body and know yourself so that you get the most done.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's just about whatever works for you. I don't believe that 5 a.m. is for everyone or 9 a.m. is for everyone. It's about whatever works for you.
0: I'm excited for your events in L.A., though. So when is you? what's your goal? like first event day we're gonna definitely be there
2: my oh you mean the big one that's a good question it's definitely gonna be uh in the first quarter of uh 2023 man 2023 most likely in like february march uh around that time frame
0: wow i'm excited for you i love that you're just like putting yourself out there going to get in honestly us going to events i mean i don't know if you are ryan pineda's last event but really every event that we've gone to the networking the like-minded people what you learn is actually insane and i push Everybody go to every event you can. Really, it's just insane what you can learn in that time and who you can meet. You never know who can open doors, and it's been so fun for us in the podcast and going to these events. Really, to network in the real estate community, really becomes such a small community where everybody knows everybody, and it's kind of just become really, really fun. You start to see the same people at different events, and it's cool that everybody has different events because you really get another time. We think it like pumps us back up. Like every two to three months, we need a little of. Get super motivated and you hit the ground running again when times get hard. I don't know if you feel like that.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely the same way. Like I, I love going to events and just networking and surrounding myself with like-minded people. And I, I think it's super important because at least for me and a lot of the people I know, their family members don't have the same mindset. They're not entrepreneurs and investors. So you got to go and find these people that are basically like the crazy ones, right? The only ones that are were, that were crazy enough to think that we could do something completely different against the grain, build a business rather than just a conventional like nine to five and call it a day.
1: Yeah, I love that. And we were just saying that we need to do it every three months now only because you're right. We don't have those people in our day-to-day lives. Like we have really good friends that, support our career but they don't necessarily light us up when it comes to work you know because they're not in the same field of work so when we go to those events it's like everybody thinks the same as us and everybody's like oh yeah i'm gonna make a million this year i'm gonna do 20 flips and we're like you just don't meet a lot of people like that so i think it's so important to go and get like refueled with your motivation because we could tell our friends and family
0: like okay we're gonna do 12 flips this year like holy shit that's a lot like blah blah blah. we go to a conference like like, i'm doing 300 i'm like oh god step it up
2: i love i love that feeling though when it makes you feel like you're the brokest person in the room that's how you know you're in the right room yeah
1: did so you go to Ryan?
2: so i was at a previous event and then from there i flew to the tykes mastermind and i was only there for that day so i didn't stay for the rest and i started seeing it on instagram i'm like man i i should have stayed it looked like so much fun way bigger than i thought it was going to be i mean it looked like it was a huge success
0: and Tormosius Tormozzi, it was awesome. I'm
2: definitely going to be at the next one. I know he's doing it like every three to four months. So I definitely plan on being uh, on, at the next one.
0: Yeah. Who, who's been your favorite event that you've been to so far?
2: Oh, man, there's so many. But uh, I was at an event called uh, Click Funnels right before Ryan's. And uh, Ed Milet was there speaking. So that was really amazing. This is like the platform that a lot of the digital online coaches, creators use. Like a much more effective way to market than like a traditional website. But it goes really deep, different levels.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. It was great to meet you. So where would you send the viewers? Do you, your Instagram, TikTok? Like what is your main platform you'd like people to go to?
2: Yeah, Instagram is good. Uh, at the Jorge Contreras
0: okay got it wow so if you guys have any questions about Airbnb Airbnb arbitrage this is the guy he is everywhere I go to learn though what's your website
2: uh it's the same it's the Jorge Contreras.com
0: wow nice how many students do you have right now
2: like active on my coaching calls maybe about 50 to 60 but we've had over 3,000 students in the last four years
1: Wow, that's amazing
0: for you and really teaching and like showing people we're we're love when everybody like the coaching and the teaching i mean that's how we've learned so much and like the value that it offers not going i mean people spend four years in higher education and then get a silly job that they hate and like this you can really dive in and build the life of your dreams so it's really and what what are you doing?
2: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Actually, I helped Ryan start Future Flipper uh, back in like 2019. Obviously, when the his social media came on, it just went to a whole other level. But I helped them create like the foundation of the coaching programs um, and things like that.
1: Oh my god, that's
0: insane! And he's like, oh my god, but he blew up so fast, and it was crazy to watch his journey through like COVID he didn't time. grow up, like what <laughs> was it that like consistency over COVID? Really, it was just that.
2: Got Grant Cardone coming to his office.
0: I know. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, you guys. And thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you soon, all right?